Hello. It's really nice to be here. Uh, my name is Richard, and I'm the husband of Rachel, who's at the back. We've got a, a few kids that are pottering around. Uh, and for those who I've not met before, which is actually quite a lot of you, there's a lot of faces I don't recognise, which is lovely. Uh, I used to live in Luton as a family. We lived here. We moved here in 2006 and got involved in the church just as it was kind of starting. Uh, we had a wonderful time here, uh, but then in 2012, felt we should leave uh, and go to Exeter to uh, start a little community. Uh, originally, we call it City Life Church Exeter, uh, very creative. Uh, and so, yeah, we moved there in 2012, which is nearly five years ago. So we've nearly been in Exeter as long as we were in uh, Luton, which is a bit weird. But, uh, so it's really nice, really nice to be back. Uh, which way do I do this? There you go. Oh, damn. Wonderful, thank you. So, yeah, it's really nice to be here. It's been an uncomfortable month, uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, because uh, we've got three kids and we decided that we have reached capacity in our household in terms of little people. So I visited the doctor for a, a, minor, a minor little uh, op uh, to change, make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, and I'm pleased to report that it was very, very smooth, went in, in and out within 50 minutes, a bit like going to the dentist, not, you know, not the top of my list of favourite things to do, but uh, it was fine. When I got home, there was a minor little incident where I fainted and basically landed in the toilet and just totally collapsed. Uh, but apart from that, it, things seemed like it was okay. Throughout the course of the day, uh, my, let's call it my area, uh, increased in size quite dramatically and turns uh, purple, which wasn't good. Uh, John Whitaker was very keen for photographic evidence of this, uh, so I've got a photo. Uh, purple cabbage is, uh, you were a little bit worried, sorry. Uh, Rach would have killed me if I would have showed you the actual, I do have a photo though, so if you're interested, come and see me after. Uh, but apparently this isn't normal. I, I've not had a vasectomy before, so I just assume that's what happens, but apparently not, which is good news for those of you that might go on to have it. I, I just got unlucky, so after a few, uh, a few days, I was still in quite a lot of pain and walking around like a penguin, so I went back to the doctors, and it uh, turns out that uh, yeah, I developed a little... I say little, it was the size of a Satsuma blood clot in my area, uh, which was quite painful. So it, it's been not the most enjoyable of months, but I'm pleased to report that it's now down to the size of a grape. Uh, and I'm not in any pain, so that's good. Uh, and everything is still working fine. I know you were keen to know that. So, uh, yes, it's not been, not been great. But the good news is, <laughs> the good news is uh, I'm not here to talk about my balls. Uh, I'm here to talk about giving our lives to God, uh, <laughs> which is a topic that's, uh, yeah, a bit heavy. So I thought we'd better start with something a little light. Uh, from here, it just gets really downhill in terms of uh, being quite heavy and serious. Uh, yeah, so uh, you've looked at it for the last couple of weeks. I think normally maybe your Bible se section comes first, but we're right at the back. So you've had a few weeks to think about, uh, to think about giving, uh, giving your lives over to God. It's a massive topic, a massive topic. And yeah, there's that great verse in Romans, like give your lives as a living sacrifice, as an act of worship. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And there's actually, I think you could, you know, go for months talking about this topic because there's so much. And so what I want to talk about today is whilst I think giving our lives to God is like such a crucial 
and fundamental part of following Jesus is actually really difficult to do. And I want to suggest that recognising our brokenness and our flaws is a real key uh, to finding the willingness to surrender. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to start with a, a piece of scripture in Mark. I'm actually, I forgot to ask people before, I could do with two volunteers. Don't mind reading a couple of sections. Liz, anyone else? Lucy, thank you. Uh, so we're going to start with this story in Mark. And just so you, to set the scene a tiny bit, uh, Jesus and his disciples are on a journey. They walk into a new town and they're just doing life together. He's asking them questions, which is something Jesus did a lot. Uh, if you read the Gospels, always asking people questions, getting them to think. And he was asking them, who do people say I am? Uh, and he was asking them, who do you uh, think I am? Uh, they're good questions to ponder. And we're going to pick it up in uh, Mark 31. So, uh, yeah, maybe Liz, if you could read this for us. Oh, yeah, great. Thank you. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? A story you might have heard before. And I think it seems, seems like Jesus is suggesting here that part of following him is denying ourselves, uh, surrendering, surrendering to him. Uh, and as I've, yeah, you've probably looked at uh, over the last kind of few weeks maybe that Jesus is the ultimate example of this. He doesn't just say it, he kind of models it as well, ultimately by dying. But yeah, the wonderful story of him in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's like pleading with God if there's any way uh, for that, that option to be taken away. But he prays, but your will be done, not mine. So Jesus is the ultimate Example, I guess the challenge is, it's not, that's not a very appealing thing to do, to, to give our lives over, to, to model Christ and to offer ourselves. Uh, and also, even just, uh, yeah, the line where it says, uh, you're, to save your life, you need to lose it. That seems like not a very logical way of viewing things, a kind of upside down uh, way of viewing the world particularly compared to the culture I think we live in. I was looking actually, uh, I was wondering about using an image of a tattoo saying surrender and I googled like surrender and tattoos. The thing that came up the most was tattoos that said don't surrender, never surrender, uh, which is quite interesting. Isn't that our culture's way? Never give up, never surrender. It seems like a very upside down way of viewing things and I th wonder if that's part part of the point uh, that God's ways are a bit different to our ways, a bit different to our culture's ways. 
Uh, in Isaiah, there's a, there's a verse that says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, uh, not, sorry, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And yeah, maybe that's part of the reality that God's thoughts are different to ours. I've been reading a book by Richard Rohr called Breathing on the Water that I found really helpful. And in it, he suggests that actually we're all addicted, addicted to our own way of thinking, our own way of viewing the world. And I think we see it a bit here in this story uh, where Jesus talks about how he needs to suffer and Peter rebukes him and says, no way, you're not going to die. And Jesus kind of rebukes him right back, a lot of rebuking going on. Uh, And he says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but mere human concerns. And, you know, I don't think Peter's intentions in rebuking Jesus were were evil or bad. Uh, They were, you know, there were some good intentions there. The problem is, I think that Peter had very different expectations of what the kingdom coming and God's kingdom reigning would look like to Jesus. He's got a different way of viewing the world to God's. Uh, And I think this raises a question uh, for all of us, raises a question for me, which is, uh, do I really have in mind like the concerns of God, or do I have mere human concerns, mere my concerns? Am I mainly focused on on me? And I think this is a problem if we are going to be, I think we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus as church, as individuals, as followers of Jesus. We're called to be his hands and feet. And if we don't have the mind of God, then that could be a challenge. And I think the solution is found in us surrendering. Uh, But it's kind of this catch-22 because the challenge of surrendering is our own way of thinking, which can be a barrier. And I think, yeah, more often than not, we can think that we're surrendering to God uh, when maybe we're not totally giving our lives to him. Uh, We think we're denying ourselves uh, by being sacrificial when actually we're building our own towers. Something else, something... Oh, I've just pressed pressed the stop button. There we go. Perfect. Uh, This is something Richard Raw said in that book. There is love that sincerely seeks the spiritual good of others. And there is love that is seeking superiority, admiration and control for itself, even by doing good and heroic things. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you can identify with that at all. I think it's an easy thing to spot in an extreme example, like a suicide bomber or something that's literally laying down their lives. But I wonder if that's actually quite difficult to spot in our own lives because it's masked by uh, good and heroic things. On the surface, they seem good and heroic, which is surely a good thing. But uh, I wonder if we can be masked by that. Before we moved uh, from Luton to Exeter, we had a leaving party and I got the chance to uh, talk at the leaving service uh, for the last time before we left. And my topic for that talk was surrender and giving up control. And I think if you would have asked me nearly five years ago in 2012 uh, whether I considered to be someone who had surrendered my life to God, probably would have said, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty good at that. Look, we're we're, look how sacrificial we're being. We're leaving our friends and a place we love to go and plant a church. Surely you can't get any more sacrificial than that. And I think there's, there was definitely some good, you know, some good healthy motives in there. 
maybe also like a little bit of ego around, you know, doing the right thing, you know, being great at following God. Maybe there's a bit of that in there. And I think one of the main things I've actually been learning since we uh, moved to Exeter is that in the day-to-day of normal life, how good actually am I at surrendering my will over to God? And I've been realising that maybe I wasn't quite as good at that as I thought I was. Yeah, I think I've started to see that uh, truly surrendering our will and surrendering to God and gaining that love that sincerely seeks the spiritual good of other people uh, is found when we face up to and accept the fact that we're flawed as human beings, uh, that we have brokenness and that we need God and we need, we need and realising that my ways aren't actually God's ways. And once we realise and accept that, that can be quite powerful. Uh, there's a really good parable in Luke that I think helps illustrate that. So Lucy, uh, if I could get you to read this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again, a story I've heard probably lots of times. And I think when I've heard that in the past, in my head, I've been like, those pesky Pharisees, they're so righteous. Uh, It's very easy to judge the Pharisees, isn't it? Because they're always getting a hard time. Uh, On a more recent reading of that story, uh, I felt like there was a bit of a mirror up. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm a bit like the Pharisees sometimes. Uh, Maybe... Uh, I think I'm a bit righteous and a bit better than other people sometimes. That wasn't too nice to realise that. Uh, And a pattern I easily get into, actually, is, uh, you know, life might be hard. uh, There might be some obvious things that I'm struggling with. And actually, that really can cause me to, like, seek God and to pray. Uh, I need you to surrender my life to him. But then, you know, days will go by. I'm feeling more positive. Life's pretty good. Actually, seems like I'm coping pretty well here. And then when I'm faced with a classic, you know, I've got 30 minutes, do I sit down and journal and connect with God? Or do I crack on my things to do list or watch the iPlayer, you know, something on iPlayer? Suddenly, in terms of what I'm making a priority, suddenly like connecting with God slips down my priority list. Uh, I don't really think I need to, it's not as essential or necessary as it maybe was when I was really struggling. And that's a common pattern that I find in my life. And I think our egos are so uh, clever and powerful that we can make plenty of good and wholesome things uh, into towers, uh, which can hide us from the fact that we're a bit like uh, the tax collector. And just before, I'm going to talk about a particular tower that I feel like I've been building over my life. And before I do that, there's a little, I just want to make one little point. Uh, uh, Particularly for those that find it 
hard not to feel guilty <laughs> about your, you know, not doing the right thing. And that's that I think there's a big difference between being broken and being bad. I think they're different, different things. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think we need any help with self-rejection. I think we all struggle with that anyway. There's a, the word sin and sinner has a lot of baggage associated with it, I think. Uh, and certainly some of you might have grown up in church environments where there's a very heavy emphasis on the fact that we're scumbags and we need to repent and turn around. Uh, and whilst there's some, some good things about that, I think also that can, it forgets the starting point of the story. And the starting point of the story is that uh, you were made good, that we were made in the image of God. And that's important to know. I think for myself, I don't see myself as bad becoming good, but maybe maybe sick becoming well. And I wonder if there are some other biblical metaphors that are more helpful, ones like uh, I'm lost becoming found, or I'm hungry being fed, I'm blind now I can see. Those don't suggest that we're bad or we're terrible. Uh, they're, they're different. But they maybe do acknowledge that we're flawed or we're a bit broken. Yeah, so I do, just to emphasize then, uh, we're made good, you're lo you are loved. And so what, what I'm talking about is a little bit different to that. Because I think there's actually real power, despite the fact that we're good, in accepting that we're also, also flawed. So I'm going to talk a bit about a tower that I feel like I've been uh, building. I feel like I've been spending many of my years running away from the fact that I'm flawed. It's like running away from that and trying to mask and hide that truth uh, with a very large tower. And the tower that I feel like I've been building, which would be different to you, is uh, the tower that I'm good, uh, that I follow the rules, I'm dependable, uh, those kind of things. And I feel like I've been doing that so that I can earn God's love and, and also the admiration and love of those around me, that I would be worth something. I've got a couple of little stories just to tell to illustrate this uh, from my childhood and growing up. When I was, I don't know, I must have been 10 or something, I was at a sleepover with some friends, and then apparently someone said, oh, well, we were going to watch a movie that night, a Freddy Krueger film, which is a horror. Uh, so I was, like, petrified, because it was a horror, and that would have been, like, a 15 or an 18, and, you know, that was breaking the rules. So I made up a story that I'd forgotten my pants, and I ran home crying, uh, and, you know, just told my mum and dad, oh, they're going to watch this film. Uh, so I didn't go back. Uh, when, I guess, most kids become teenagers, they like to rebel against their parents. I, I, I wanted to rebel against my parents. I just couldn't do it. I just didn't have it in me. I think maybe the closest I came was I was really frustrated with my dad one day, and I, and I told him to F off, but actually use that, that word, F off. I couldn't actually swear at him. Uh, that would have been a step too far. I'm all, I was always very helpful as a, as a child and growing up, and I remember specifically when we used to go to my grandparents' house, uh, I'd be one of the first people to volunteer to wash up. Uh, my sister would, at that moment, realise she needs the toilet, disappear for half an hour. And I, re I remember revelling, actually, in the disapproval of how she would escape, uh, you know, helping out and and uh, almost like a comparison with, oh, if only she was like Rich, look how good he is at helping out so, so freely. Unsurprisingly, I think she thought I was a bit of a brown noser, a bit of a suck-up, which is uh, probably, probably true. 
uh, pre-18, I never would never like drink or you know do anything as ungodly as that. Uh, but when I was 15 or 16, I you know started to realise that on a Friday night down at the pier, some of my peers were heading down there to drink and do all sorts of who knows what. Uh, and a group of my friends were going to go down, so I kind of had an opportunity to go. So like the good conscientious boy I am, I asked my mum if I could go. I didn't just like sneak out. I said, mum, can I go down to the pier on a Friday? And uh, I think she just thought I was being sweet. She said yes, but I didn't have the guts to go. I like never, never went. Stay away from those sinners uh, down at the pier. Uh, when I was in uni, I got really stuck into church life, like doing youth work, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, I earned a reputation in the church, I think, uh, among my peers particularly, as the golden boy, uh, like the leader's favourite, uh, because I was like this model, model Christian, doing all, the, you know, doing all this great stuff. Uh, yeah, it's embarrassing to say that, to be honest. <laughs> but it's true. Uh, and then eventually we ended up in Luton, uh, where I got a bit of a shock because some of the guys here had a bit of a rebellious streak. They didn't seem to like follow all the rules, which I partly found really intriguing and also like terrifying. So when we used to go to conferences together, and uh, I'd show up on time with my notepad and my Bible, uh, ready to worship the Lord for an hour and listen to an hour's talk. And like, I'd be like, where is everyone? And they'd slowly be like wandering in late. And I'd be like, what are they doing? Like, this is outrageous. Some of them wouldn't even turn up at all. They just like totally skipped the session. And this is kind of a funny story, but genuinely it would blow my mind. How could they like not care what everyone would think of them? How can they break the rules like that? It was, uh, yeah, crazy. But also really good. Yeah, and so I wonder, that's my story, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what your story would be. I wonder what, what towers maybe you've been striving to build, maybe in an attempt to hide some of your flaws, some of your brokenness. You notice I've chose to focus on my tower rather than my flaws. We won't worry about what those are. Um, but there's, we can make all sorts of things into towers, I think. Uh, towers of intelligence and success. Uh, towers of activism and making a difference, towers of being the perfect parent or being the person that gets stuff done and make, make things happen, uh, towers of power and influence, towers of uh, self-pity and self-loathing. Uh, the list goes on and on, and I, wonder, and I wonder if you can identify a tower maybe you've been building. And... I don't think these are inherently bad. Uh, there's lots of good things about being good. I'm a nice person to be around. I probably saved myself a whole world of pain, actually, by not going down the pier. Uh, so there's some good things about these things. The danger is, though, that we can become like the Pharisees. and We can pray, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other people uh, who aren't as smart or as compassionate or competent or skilled at raising kids or changing the world as me. I think we can subconsciously even like become a bit like that. Think that we don't need God, that we can crack on on our own. And I think at the root of uh, these towers actually is a desire to be loved, to uh, yeah, for people to love us, for God to love us. Yeah, there's a brilliant uh, quote here. Ego will always prefer an economy of merit and sacrifice to an economy of grace and unearned love. Well, we have no control. 
The first makes us feel heroic and worthy. The second makes us mere fools. Yeah, and I can really identify with, the, with that quote, uh, to be honest. And it's very hard, and it's been very painful to realise and to accept that I'm a mere fool. But I think the truth is we're all fools, <laughs> really. Uh, our ways aren't, aren't God's, God's ways. Uh, and we need, like, we need to hand our wills and our lives over to God. Uh, and when, but when we do that, when we accept it, uh, that we're fools, and we, we hand our lives over, what comes is such freedom and love and grace. Uh, and also, when we accept that, we also discover this willingness to do it daily. I think Paul had this worked out. Uh, I don't think I have a slide for it, but I'm just going to read out. Not even written down where this is from, but never mind. Uh, Therefore, in order to keep me from being con- becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Actually, I do have it. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I'm just going to read that again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think accepting our weaknesses is a catalyst for surrender. It shifts it from being an obligation, something we've got to do as a good Christian, to a necessity, like a daily, moment-by-moment necessity. And I'd also, yeah, I'd want to encourage you uh, not to think about surrendering tomorrow, but to think about surrendering your lives today. Uh, I think we face a choice every day, actually, to follow Jesus, to hand our wills over. And I think tomorrow, you've got a fresh choice where you get to choose it again. And yeah, I've been trying to use that approach actually, like taking it a day at a time over the last couple of years now, and it's been very powerful. And as I've been doing that, I've been noticing that actually there are countless moments each day to surrender and to make that choice. Uh, Think about all the times, uh, opportunities where we might get angry or feel resentful in a day. Uh, Maybe that's because someone's left the clothes on the floor again, or maybe because a friend has deeply hurt us. Uh, we face the choice to like feed that resentment, to play it over in our heads, to make it into a big thing, or we've got a choice to let it go, to surrender it. Some of you might experience fear or anxiety. You know, you know there's a whole range of reasons why we might feel like that around health or money, uh, security, relationships. Uh, and it might not feel like it. That might be something you feel really powerless over. Uh, but I still think we've got a choice there to... Uh, yeah, to try and fight it on our own or to surrender and let God come in. I think most of us actually struggle with uh, believing we're worth anything. And we're often faced with opportunities each day to compare ourselves to other people, uh, to try and measure our worth. And again, we face a choice of feeding that lie that we're rubbish or not as good as so-and-so. Or uh, we can surrender that and choose to believe uh, the truth and trust in that, that we're deeply loved. And lastly, uh, yeah, some of us might be suffering 
in pain, uh, and whether that's because uh, we've been hurt or let down by someone, or whether that's because we're ashamed of some of our behaviours, some of our actions. Uh, and again, we have a choice here to try and mask, mask that pain and that suffering with a whole range of different drugs, ranging from fried chicken to crack cocaine, everything in between. There are lots of things we use. Uh, so we can choose to mask it, or we can choose to accept that pain uh, and invite God in, the God who will renew us and transform us. And all of those things I've just mentioned, they're all big things. There's not like quick fixes to them, but actually I've really experienced in the small, like day-to-day choices we face and choosing to surrender can be really powerful. Uh, I don't know if you identify with this, but it's really exhausting trying to be good all the time. Yeah, and the tower you build, I don't know if you find that draining, exhausting. Building towers that actually have no finish points. Like when do you reach being really good, like you never reach that. When do you reach, finish reach, being really successful? There's no, there's no end points to these things. And that can be really, really tiring <laughs> and exhausting. Uh, but yeah, denying ourselves is about letting go and trusting God that he loves us. And the gift is peace and serenity and freedom, which is amazing. And I think enables us to be his hands and feet, and love those around us in that sincere way. So, that's what I've got. Uh, This is where I'm supposed to now do an altar call and get you to stand up if you want to surrender to the Lord today. The problem with that is that I think that's only going to be good. That's only going to help you surrender today. And in my case, maybe only for the next couple of hours before my grumpiness kicks back in or something. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to just create some space uh, to have a bit of silence and stillness uh, Angus is going to put a track on for us. Uh, yeah, and while, while the song's playing, it doesn't have any words to it, uh, yeah, I would just encourage you to be still and to open your heart to hear God. And yeah, just maybe ask him if you're feeling brave <laughs> to very gently reveal to you maybe some of your blind spots, maybe some of the things that you've been striving towards in terms of building a tower, maybe even some of the flaws that you've been trying to mask and hide. Uh, and that's not, uh, those things aren't bad, because as we accept some of those things, actually that's when we recognise we need Jesus, like we need, we need to hand our wills over to him. And that might give you something to be thinking about over the coming, coming days and weeks. So hopefully uh, some music will come on. I'm going to pray, and then uh, and then we'll start. It's coming. I can hear it. So, Lord, yeah, we welcome you here, and we thank you that you love us, and we want to thank you, actually, that our brokenness doesn't disqualify us from you. In fact, the opposite is true, that it's our brokenness that qualifies us for a relationship with you. And so, yeah, I pray that you would open our eyes just to see our blind spots and just speak to us as we sit with you now.